Yo, Carl. 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 Oh, wait. He's still in Europe. And I don't have a co-host. Guess we're going alone this week. Hey yo, welcome back to the High Kicks Podcast. How's everybody doing? It's just Brian this week. Carl is still in Europe. He is going to be back in about four days. Um, I was unable to get a co-host for tonight. Uh, the person I was dealing with, something happened to their Instagram account, and I haven't been able to reach out to them or get in contact with them, so no no co-host tonight. Um, I was going to reach out to Julian, but I just didn't get around to it. I've been busy. I started a new job as a sports betting content creator. So that's kind of been the priority over the last couple of days. And I just didn't really, you know, reach out to anybody. And so I'm just going to be basically running down what's been going on with the world cup all by myself. I know that we are about to get into the quarterfinal stages, but we haven't had an episode of the high kicks podcast since Carl and I did our World Cup predictions and since before the World Cup even started. So we missed the whole group stage and the round of 16. But I kind of think that's a good thing because there were so many games so back-to-back and there was no break. So there wasn't really going to be a way for us to talk about any of the episodes. Or not any of the episodes, sorry. Any of the games while being up-to-date because in the time it would take me to edit and upload an episode, you know, four more games would have been played. So it is 11.40 p.m. on Wednesday, December 7th, and we have a couple days until the quarterfinals kick off. So I'm just going to run down kind of my thoughts on how the World Cup is going so far. I'm going to go group by group, and then I'm going to break down what I thought of the first set of knockout games, and then we're going to get out of here. This is probably not going to be a very long episode, but... This is this is going to be our World Cup episode, and Carl will be back for us to talk about the World Cup final, so that's going to be really fun. So starting with Group A, Group A finished exactly how I expected. Um, Qatar made history, though, as the only host nation to not secure a single point. They were first off, they were the only host nation to lose their opening round game in the history of the World Cup, and then they were the only host nation to not win a single game. They had a minus six goal differential. It, it was kind of a catastrophic failure from the Qatar national team. I don't necessarily, I do feel bad for them because you, you work so hard to get to this point and then it's an utter disappointment, but I also kind of don't feel bad for them because of everything that was surrounding this world cup. It's kind of karma, but the big story for this group was enter Valencia's play for Ecuador. I, I was kind of surprised that Ecuador came out flying the way they did but i also wasn't surprised to see senegal go through because i mean if if you guys listened my predictions um i i did have netherlands and senegal and i don't know i just i really liked the way senegal played they were really inspired by not having sadio mane they were playing for him it seemed so i'm really really happy that they progressed and Group A kind of finished exactly how I thought. Netherlands played amazing in this group. Cody Gakpo was unreal. 
that's kind of all I got there. Sliding into my recap of Group B, oh my, England. I was not expecting them to be this good right off the bat in this World Cup. They did not come into the tournament in the best of form, and they blew out Iran. We held them. The United States of America did hold them. So I know we said that we were going to be calling it soccer if the U.S. won. Um, The U.S. did not win. So I'm just going to say one time and one time only, England tied the USA in soccer. That's the one time I'm going to use that in this show. And after that, we're going to go back to football. I feel bad for Wales, though. I just, I feel bad for Wales. Your first World Cup since the 50s. You have a player like Gareth Bale. You show up, draw, two losses, minus five goal differential. Just really unfortunate for them. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be back here. Bale, I don't think, is going to be around for the next World Cup cycle, but we will see. We will see. I do need to talk about the USA-Iran match. I, as an American, so I took a break from work for that game. I'm sitting there. I am on Discord with one of my best friends. We're watching the game. I'm 40 seconds ahead of him, so I can't actually... I can't react to anything, so, like, things happen, and I just have to hold it in because I can't let him know, you know, like, what's going on or anything because I don't want to spoil it. I was shaking. I was absolutely shaking. There were also a couple things I would have done differently in this match. Um... I do like the move that Greg Bearhalter made in that late in that match to sub out Tim Weah and um, bring in Walker Zimmerman. Although I'm not a fan of when he did it, the result held. We did progress, obviously, and then we lost to the Netherlands, and I'll talk about that. But I, I just, I would have waited a little bit. You had to know that there was going to be like eight, nine minutes of stoppage time given how the game went. So putting your team in a park of the bus have to hold it to survive. I didn't like that. That whole, it was 20 minutes of just onslaught from Iran and we almost blew it. And I would have blamed that completely on Greg Bearholder. Group C had really the shock of the group stage. Argentina comes into this tournament riding one of the longest unbeaten runs in the history of international football. If they had just not lost a single group stage match, they would have broken Italy's record of 37. They would have got to 38. But in comes Saudi Arabia. Messi scored an early penalty. Everybody knows. Argentina went up, and then they just collapsed. Collapsed. And it was utterly shocking. I woke up that morning... Because the match was at 5 a.m. Eastern time in the United States, so I did not watch it. But I woke up that morning, went downstairs, and said to my mom, who everybody who listens knows is my like inspiration for being into sports. But I said to her, I was like, hey, mom, Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia. And she went, what? And I accepted it again, and she went, what? And she, she couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. 
Like, honestly, it, it unbelievable. Could not believe it. But this group, this group had it all coming down to the wire. There was a point where Poland was going to progress strictly on fair play points on yellow cards. So, yeah, that that would have been nuts. But then Saudi Arabia blew that goal by Mexico and just dashed all of their dreams, eliminating Mexico in the group stage for the first time since the mid-70s, which is incredible. One of the downsides for this, though, this is probably the last time we're going to see World Cup Memo Ochoa. And Memo Ochoa in the World Cup is a spectacle. He... I mean, I'm a goalkeeper, as you all who listen know, and he is he's incredible. He makes some saves that you're just like, oh my god, how? And it seems like he only exists for the World Cup. I mean, obviously, he doesn't. He plays club and he plays all year round, but he's one of the most exciting players in any World Cup, and I, I'm going to miss him, and it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see one last group st- or, um, knockout round for Memo Ochoa. I was really happy, though, to see Lewandowski score his first World Cup goal. Long overdue. Probably his last World Cup, and it was nice to see them progress. Argentina coming out on top in Group C was kind of expected. Even after they lost to Saudi Arabia, I just I didn't see them dropping any more points, and they did not. A win over Mexico, a win over Poland. That is that. Group D was stunning. Stunning. So, I I obviously, I mean, everybody kind of thought France was going to win this group. Their loss to Tunisia, sure, whatever, say what you want about it. They, they played basically their B team. They really did. They knew they were through. They wanted to rest players. They didn't want to risk any injury. But the shocker of this group is that not only did the Socceroos of Australia come in second and progress, Denmark came fourth. The Danes, who got to the semifinals of the Euros last summer, failed to come out of a group and failed to even finish above a Tunisia side in this group. They they were they were utterly disappointing, like absolutely beyond disappointing. And I thought that they were a dark horse to win this tournament potentially, or well, not win this tournament, but get very very far. And I, it was very 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 sad as a football fan just to watch the way that this Denmark team played. Group E was full of drama. There was a very brief point in the last match day of Group E where Costa Rica was leading Germany and Japan was leading Spain, and Japan and Costa Rica were going to be the sides coming out of this group, but that did not happen. Obviously, Japan went through. We saw them uh, lose to Croatia on penalties. I'll talk more about that. We saw Spain go through, lose to Morocco on penalties. I have a lot to say about that. Germany was disappointing beyond less disappointing now, though, seeing that they so losing to Spain or not losing to Spain, sorry, losing to Japan looked bad. And then Japan also beat Spain. Japan's group was weird because they beat Germany and Spain and lost to Costa Rica. 
So that that's a little odd. It, the group was kind of all over the place, but just to see Japan and the way that they played and the way that they kind of just threw Germany around and threw Spain around, and it was two Bundesliga players to score against Germany. Like, I don't know. It's nice to see. It's nice that not everyone who was supposed to go through went through. And this group had it all the way down to the wire. And then speaking of a side that didn't go through, that should have gone through. Oh my, oh my, Belgium. They they could not do anything. Belgium did beat Canada 1-0, but Canada did not. I mean, sorry, not Canada. Belgium did not look good in that match. They just didn't. They really, really, really didn't. And then Belgium's second match, the the loss to Morocco 2-0. When that happened, I wasn't necessarily sure if it was Belgium bad or Morocco good. I'll get into it later that Morocco good. Because they are they are playing on a level that is I don't I mean I haven't seen or nor did I expect them to get to where they are in this tournament. I was a little disappointed by Canada. I thought they also were a dark horse to play really really well. They're young. I think they'll be back in the. I mean, they're joint hosting the next World Cup, so they'll be back for the next World Cup. But they disappointed me quite a bit. Quite quite a bit. I still can't understand in that Belgium-Croatia match how Romelu Lukaku missed those four chances like on the goal line. Like, beyond. A striker of his caliber should have scored those. I truly think I am a high school level because that's when I stopped playing goalkeeper. And if I were in some of those positions, I might have scored some of those goals. And I usually say, like, no, 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 no one can say that. He had a chance to just tap a ball in with his head or with a part of his body, and he chested it down, and it didn't go over the line. I I was shook watching that. And then Group G, Brazil. They are. They are just... Serbia disappointed me. I thought they were going to be better. Um, Cameroon's win over Brazil was kind of the same thing as Tunisia's win over France. Brazil just didn't necessarily go all out. Um, They kind of knew they had the group. They knew they had the goal differential. They knew all, yeah, going in. So that aside, Switzerland played very, very well in this group. So I do give them credit for that. But this was the Brazil show. Richarlson's scissor kick goal was unbelievable. Un unbelievable. And it just this was a very fun group to watch. Group H was exciting. Watching South Korea score that goal at the end to progress over Uruguay was unreal. Unreal. Unbelievable. Such a late goal. Such scenes. And while Ghana didn't get their revenge on 
Uruguay for the quarterfinal of the Luis Suarez moment. Ghana can say that when they dipped out of the World Cup, they took Uruguay with them. And then Portugal was Portugal. They they played fantastic in this group. They knew they were through going into the South Korea match. So, like, there's a little bit of a difference, I think, in that. But, yeah. Just huge, huge for South Korea that they got through. I know Kev- Kevin was very, very hyped because, as we all know, our friend Kevin is Korean. So... He was very, very happy about that. I said to him, I didn't think they had such a great chance to go through, and they progressed, and just, just wow. Now, on to the knockouts, where I'm going to get a little bit more in-depth. I'm starting with the U.S. and the Netherlands. It was the first match. So, first off... I had a huge problem with the way Greg Bearhalter lined up the U.S. for this match. I really, really, really did. So knowing Josh Sargent was hurt and wasn't going to be able to play, the move should have been... We, were, we should have started Tim Weah in the middle as the number nine, as the striker. He's been, he was one of the most dangerous players for the U.S. the entire tournament. He knows how to score in front of goal. I would have put Weah at the nine, and I would have put Aronson out on the right and saved Gio Reyna as a super sub. And then I think some of the chances that we missed in the beginning of that game, we might have converted, and we might have actually had a chance to beat the Netherlands. We played very, very well. Pulisic had a chance to score very, very early on. I just... It was disappointing. I just didn't. And to hear that Greg Berhalter now has potentially started having contract extension talks with the U.S. Soccer Federation, and I would say football, but here we still we do call it the Soccer Federation or whatever, whatever the hell. I don't like it. I I think it should be somebody else. I think he kind of proved that he doesn't necessarily have what it takes. And my t- me talking about my, the shortcomings for the U.S. is not taking away anything from the Netherlands. I think they played a phenomenal game. I think they did what they had to do. I think that third goal um, for Dumfries at the end basically said everything you needed to know. Uh, They sat back, they waited for their chances, they converted them when they needed to, and they walked away with a 3-1 win and set themselves up for a date with Argentina. I think if the U.S. had more of that killer instinct, killer mentality, we would have finished our chances. Going a little bit deeper into the stats of this match, the expected goals was 1.6 for the Netherlands, 1.4 or 1.67 and 1.49 for the u.s we had more shots same total big chances created we had we missed three of our big chances we were better in terms of accurate passes we committed less fouls we won more corners we had more possession this was a hard one as an american because we could have won this game and we did not, and that is all. 
the Socceroos put up a very, very, very big fight against Argentina. A lot bigger than I thought they were going to, honestly. Argentina going up 2-1. Enzo Fernandez scoring that. or Argentina going up 2-0 in the 57th. Messi, then Julian Alvarez. Then Enzo Fernandez scoring an own goal. And then in the late moments, Australia almost, almost nodded this thing up and sent off to extra time. I don't necessarily think anything would have come out of extra time. I think this was Argentina all the way. But, you know, hard fought. And I don't think anybody expected Australia to even get this far. So major, major kudos to them. Huge, huge shout out. Them getting through, I think, was the biggest surprise of any of the teams that got through. And I think they only go up from here. I mean, I don't see them maybe progressing any farther in the next World Cup. But this is really something to build on for the Socceroos. And I think if I were an Australian, I would be incredibly proud with how my national team performed. England smacked Senegal. Just smacked them. There's really not much to say about this match. Jude Bellingham is exceptional. Phil Foden is exceptional. Bokoyo Saka is exceptional. Harry Kane is exceptional. This England team is firing on all cylinders at the right time after having not done that for months leading up to this World Cup. And their next match against France on Saturday is going to be electric. And speaking of France, I know Kylian Mbappe gets a bad rap from media, and I mean, I've dogged on him. Carl has dogged on him just for his mentality and the whole thought that sometimes we think he thinks he's bigger than the club. He's freaking Mr. World Cup. I mean, he is 23 years old with nine World Cup goals. He's going to eventually pass Miroslav Klose for the highest goal scorer in men's World Cup history. He had an assist and two goals in this match against Poland. And, I mean, his first goal, I don't understand how Poland gives a player like Mbappe that much space because that you're just asking for it. He had time to settle the ball, look up, look down, look up, look down, and fire a shot. That's just unacceptable from a Polish perspective. And then the third goal, Mbappe's second. Unreal angle, unreal curl, unreal finish. I mean, he he is something special in World Cups. He passed Pele for the most goals scored at a World Cup by any player before the age of 24. And he has a chance to give himself well not give himself but have the french team give him for his 24th birthday a second world cup which would be unreal unreal second world cup two days before you turn 24 but everything about, I mean, he he's the best player of this tournament so far. If it ended today, he gets the golden ball in my eyes. He wins the golden boot. He he has been unbelievable. 
But from the Polish side, one of the happiest moments from this match that I can say is with the last, which potentially the last kick of his World Cup career, potentially of his international career, Robert Lewandowski scored on a penalty. First one was a horrific penalty, but he he did like four Jorginho like stutter steps and hops and whatever the bullshit is. And he drew French players into the box early and he drew Uris off his line early. So we got a retake and then he drilled it bottom left corner. And Robert Lewandowski finished with two World Cup goals as France dispatched Poland to set up a match with England that has me so, so excited. I'll be in New York this weekend with Caroline and Cameron bar hopping for some kind of SantaCon-ish activities, not like real SantaCon, but dressing up Santa E in the East Village and stuff. But if we're not by a TV from two to four, I'm going to be watching this match on my phone because I need to see this match. I just, I need to see it 100%. Moving on to December 5th, Japan, Croatia. This was exciting. This was a good back and forth match. Really the whole way. Croatia outpossessed Japan, but that was expected. 1-1. Perisic's header was brilliant. Maeda's goal was fantastic. I just kind of felt that once this game hit extra time, it was over. This this Croatia team being that in the last World Cup, they got to the final with all of their extra time and all of their penalties. They just have the experience that this Japanese team doesn't have. And it it showed in the penalties. I mean, Japan struggled. Croatia thrived. And that was it, honestly. So kudos to Japan for making it this far. Kudos to Japan for winning their group especially with the Spain and German sides there. And then on to the second absolute blowout of the round of 16. Seventh minute, Vinicius Jr. Thirteenth minute, Neymar, penalty. Twenty-ninth minute, Richarlson. Thirty-sixth minute, Lucas Paqueta. And then... Sorry if I butchered this pronunciation, but Siang Ho Park. What does that say? Siang Ho Paik. Um, got that little consolation goal for Korea, but I don't. I don't think anyone. I mean, I I don't know if Brazil's beatable, but I also don't know if France is beatable. I want to see Brazil Argentina. I want to see Brazil France. But I also kind of want to see Messi win a World Cup, so I don't know. I think no matter what happens, I'm going to be happy and sad. But this Brazil team is ridiculous. I mean, they are they're star-studded all over the pitch. They're just they're just so so good. And they deserved to beat Korea. They deserved to beat Korea the way they beat Korea. And I mean, Allison also worked his ass off in this match. He made a fair amount of saves. He he cut off a bunch of chances. And then it was really good to see Weverton 
get subbed in and get to play in a World Cup, he's he's not going to probably play again in this World Cup. But with that sub for Weverton, um, Brazil became the first team in World Cup history with 26-man rosters, that's the caveat to this, to play every single person they brought to the World Cup. So that was great. But I just I don't I don't know if this Brazil team is beatable. I just I really don't. They were they were exceptional. And then on to the last day. So I I was supposed to take my dad's truck to my friend Ben's house to bring a mattress and an air conditioning unit and something else to the dump in our town. And I was supposed to get there at one. And then this game between Morocco and Spain, or not once, I was supposed to get there at noon. And then this game between Morocco and Spain hit extra time and then it hit penalties. And honestly, Spain play quote unquote beautiful football. They pass and 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 they pass pass. side to side, backwards possession but they didn't really threaten that much 77% possession 23% possession i mean honestly like i think morocco had the better chances i think morocco if this game was going to end in the 90 i kind of think morocco was going to be the team that should have won it <sighs> extra time was a different story extra time was all spain but what this match came down to being that it was Atra Fakimi who comes up to the spot, born in Madrid, played for Real Madrid against a Spain side loaded with Barcelona players. Scores the winning goal, does the Ramos Waddle celebration, looks at Enrique, kind of as a shot, being like, hey, you might have won this game if you had brought Sergio Ramos. And I also just, Rodri said something about the way Morocco plays. He was, I got to look up the quote. Rodri said that Morocco offered absolutely nothing in this match. And I strongly disagree. I think they sat back and they played the way they needed to play and they got the chances they got. And I honestly think Spain offered kind of nothing. Like I said before, it was just pass, 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 nothing. So I don't know. You shouldn't say that. You're adding salt to the wounds. And I don't think Roger could accept the fact that they just couldn't do it. But congratulations to Morocco. This is the farthest they've ever gone. And I think their match against Portugal on on Saturday is going to be quite, quite exciting. Last round of 16 match was honestly, for me, the most shocking. All the drama surrounding Cristiano Ronaldo, him being benched, what the outside thinks is because of attitude, but what the manager says was not because of attitude, just because it was a tactical decision. 
I think it was attitude, but I'm not Fernando Santos. But Gonzalo Ramos, oh my god. His first finish, top bins out of this world. Shocked me. Shocked me. 16 minutes later, Pepe with a header. Ramos again. Right after half. Guerrero assisted by Ramos. And then Ramos again in the 67th. I mean, this kid, 21 years old from Benfica, probably wasn't even going to be at the tournament, but Diego Jota got hurt, so a spot opened up. And he puts in the first hat-trick performance of this World Cup with stunning finishes against, like, by Jan Summer, like, no slouch of a goalkeeper. And it, it was it was incredible to watch, and I think it's something that, like if I'm if I'm Fernando Santos, I I keep Ronaldo on the bench for the next match and I start Ramos again against Morocco because he he created a spark and I kinda think this Portuguese team plays better without Ronaldo. Not to say that Ronaldo's not a great player, but he, he's not what he once was and he can't move the same way up top and the Zhao Felix and Gonzalo Ramos pairing up top really kind of suits this team a little bit better. I, I was stunned. I was stunned watching Portugal beat Switzerland 6-1. Um, a friend of ours at the gym wore a Portugal shirt, and he was like, I don't usually wear jerseys to the gym, but oh my god. And Rafael Leao's finish in the 90th was also Stunning. Like, these weren't just, like, mistakes by Switzerland. These were brilliant goals by Portugal. Six. Six one. In a World Cup quarter, or not quarterfinal, round of 16. Like, oh my god, because I, I was just, I was just shocked. Now going to break down a little bit of the uh, what I'm expecting from the quarterfinals. Not going to talk too much, but more just going to talk about what I think is going to happen and who is going to do what. So I think Argentina beats the Netherlands. I, I do think it's going to be an incredibly close match. I, I just kind of think these teams are somewhat even, and when it comes down to it, Argentina has Messi. And that that's that. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Netherlands go through, especially because if you've been listening to this podcast since we launched in October 2020, I've been saying that Netherlands, I, I really think they have a chance to win this thing. But coming against Argentina at this stage, I just I think Argentina takes them out. I think Brazil stomps Croatia. I think Brazil rolls through Croatia and sets up a with Argentina in the semifinals. There's not really too much else I have to say about that. So, I think Morocco... I really think Morocco beats Portugal. If I'm right, we come back to this episode and we're like, Oh my god, Brian's so smart! If I'm wrong... We look at my prediction scores and we understand that I'm really, really bad at predicting games on a whim when I don't do research. I just think there's something about this Morocco side 
they they play with such passion and they they carry themselves so well and with Ziyech and Hakimi and the fact that Bono made three saves in the penalty shootout against Spain I just think the momentum they have I think they become the first African nation to reach the semifinals of a World Cup and now on to the show of this round the last quarterfinal to be played will be France and England. And I can't wait. I mean, th- this match is going to have everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. So, so much just high quality players on both sides of the pitch. We're going to get to see potentially the only player, defensive player, out there who can keep up with Kylian Mbappe and Kyle Walker. So that's a matchup to watch. I, I, I Like I said, I'm going to be walking around New York City, but if I'm not at a bar where I can watch this game, Fox Sports will be open on my phone and I will be watching and I'll be walking slow and Caroline and Cameron are going to be like, you need to walk faster. And I'm going to be like, I'm watching the World Cup because I, I can't wait. I do think France wins this match. I do think it's close. I think we're looking at a 2-1 here, potentially a late 3-1 as England tries to get that equalizer and France hits them on the break. But this is going to be such an exciting match. Like, absolutely beyond. And I, I can't wait. I also think that's really kind of all I got. Um, Carl will be back to be able to break down the quarterfinals and talk about what we're expecting for the semifinals. So that's going to be good. It's going to be really, really nice to have him back. And I apologize that this wasn't as short as I thought it was going to be. I didn't think I was going to be able to get around 40 ish minutes by myself, but thank you all for tuning in and hopefully you enjoyed just kind of the solo breakdown from my perspective on the world cup. And we're going to be back to a normal style episode next week. I'm loving this World Cup, and I hope everybody else is too. So thanks for tuning in. Peace.